will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All people on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke, awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. Thank you. Okay, so in a summative statement, what is the method that God used to reveal the truth to Jacob? A dream. Okay. So, simply stated, and again, you know, we're not getting too complex, but what you want to write down in that line, or you would have a student write down, is that God used a dream to reveal truth to okay. So that's what you want to put in line one. And then, would somebody be re uh, willing to read Ezekiel 1, 1 through 6? somebody be willing to flow down to verse 26 of chapter 1 and read through chapter 2, verse 5. Above the expanse over their heads was what looked like a throne of sapphire. And high above on the throne was a figure like that of a man. I saw that from what appeared to be his waist up, he looked like glowing metal, as if full of fire, and that from there down he looked like fire, and brilliant light surrounded him. Like the appearance of a rainbow in the clouds on a rainy day, so was the radiance around him. This was the appearance of the lightness of the glory of the Lord. When I saw it, I fell face down, and I heard the voice of one speaking. He said to me, Son of man, stand up on your feet, and I will speak to you. As he spoke, the Spirit came into me and raised me to my feet, and I heard him speaking to me. He said, Son of man, I am sending you to the Israelites, to a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me. They and their fathers have been in revolt against me to this very day. The people to whom I am sending you are obstinate stubborn. Say to them, this is what the Sovereign Lord says, and whether they listen or fail to listen, for they are a rebellious house, they will know that a prophet has been among them. Thank you. So there's a lot of information there, but the summative aspect of really what's going on is that Ezekiel, you can write this down, Ezekiel saw a day vision of God through which God disclosed himself to him. Ezekiel saw a day vision of God through which God disclosed himself to him. Okay. 
got that? If you need me to say it again, I can, because I was always the one that needed it said like three times. So. Okay. Would somebody be willing to turn to Numbers chapter 12, verses 5 through 8? Then the Lord came down from the pillar of cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam. And they both went forward. Then he said, Hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. I speak with him face to face, even plainly and not in dark saying. And he sees the form of the word. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? Thank you. So summatively there, the unique aspect that we see of how God reveals himself is God spoke mouth to mouth with Moses. And then if you want to put kind of dot, 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 or in parentheses, I'll let you finish that. God spoke mouth to mouth with Moses. And then dot 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 or parentheses in audible words more than likely. Okay, so it was the you know, Moses, this is God aspect. Okay. So again, the kind of answer in that line would be God spoke mouth to mouth with Moses in audible words more than likely. So I want to go all the way to the back of the Bible and we kind of have to read Revelation versus, sorry, Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 and God gave him to show his servants things which, which must shortly take place, and he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things that he saw. Thank you. Okay, so there, the manner of how God revealed himself is through an angel. So you can say, an angel revealed God's Angel revealed God's truth. And for you proactive students that are already on chapter 2, if you would turn to 2, read 25 through 26. that if someone would be kind of to go to Galatians chapter 1 verses 11 through 12. Dear brothers and sisters, I 
psalmist, where assure you that the good news of salvation which I preach is not based on mere human reasoning or logic, for my message came by a direct revelation from Jesus Christ himself. No one else taught me. Okay, so here, Paul had a vision of the resurrected Christ who spoke to him. Paul had a vision of the resurrected Christ who spoke to him. And then, of course, kind of the famous passage would be John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. We'll read that first, and then we'll um, keep your finger on there, and we'll skip over to verse 14. Let's read uh, John 1, 1 through 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, without him nothing was made that has been made. Thank you. And can we have someone scroll down a little bit to verse 14 and read verse 14 through 18? Go ahead, yeah. So the Word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Thank you. So, ah, did you go to 18? No. Yep, go all the way to 18. John testified about him when he shouted to the crowds. This is the one I was talking about when I said, Someone is coming after me who is far greater than I am. For he existed long before. For in his abundance we have all received one gracious blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and, faithful, and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. No one, had ever, no one has ever seen God, but the unique one, who is himself God, is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. Thank you. So summatively here... You want to say Jesus Christ was the ultimate way, or you can even say Jesus Christ was and is the ultimate way. God revealed and reveals himself to us. And then, if you have a spot, let me, let me write, say that one more time so you get it down. There's a little Jesus Christ was the ultimate way God revealed himself to us. And if you have room, put in God full of grace and truth came to us as one of us. And then, you don't have this in your notes, but I will, you can put this sort of in brackets. Um, the most powerful revelation of all was that God revealed himself as a man. And obviously we have, that's Jesus. Yep, absolutely. Yep, you want me to go back up to John? Okay, just God. Okay, yeah. Uh, God, full of grace and truth, came to us as one of us. And then below that, if you have a spot, you can just write the most powerful revelation of all was that God revealed himself as a man. We got that? Okay, so over on the right-hand side, uh, you should have just what I've talked a little bit about, but this is important just to see and recognize, and it's pretty uh, neat for us, but also for your student, that over 2,600 times, the writers of the Old Testament felt compelled to remind us that the message they were recording were not their words, but God's words. 
And I know that that's kind of self-explanatory, but one of the things that you want to hold on to in that is, number one, um, the passages that we've done, okay, I was told you are kind of a smorgasbord. They're not the only time that God reveals himself to man in the Bible. They're just a manner of, hey, there's so much out there, we're going to kind of pick a sampling to give you, the student, the um, kind of overall ways that God reveals himself. So as we kind of go back, we look, and there's a variety of different ways as we've looked at some of these scriptures that God reveals. He uses dreams, he uses day visions, he speaks mouth to mouth, he uses angels, he uses the Holy Spirit, he uses a vision of the resurrected Christ, and then obviously the ultimate manner is he uses Jesus himself. Okay? So the whole point that you're driving essentially the student to is this idea that God wants to be known. Okay, so if you're kind of wondering, like, why are we doing this? What's important? We're talking about revelation, inspiration, and then authentication. And the reason that this is so important, particularly for some individuals, is different religions will have gods that are up there, and they're not to be known. It's like, they're up there, you do your thing, we do ours, and if you're lucky, and you do the right thing, maybe they're going to be pleased with you, okay? So, depending upon the background that you're going through with your student, this might be very interesting to them. They might be like, gosh, you know, I never knew that God really wanted to, you know, us to know who he is. And you can say, absolutely. Um, obviously, what I would tell you in this portion is, um, if you're just going through the study, you can do that. If you have some other Bible verses that you see that you feel are good, you can put notes in there. But generally what you're wanting to do with a student is move them relatively quickly through this just to demonstrate to them that God is a God who wants to reveal himself, but also God is a God that's revealing himself in a variety of different ways so people can understand who he is. It's not like he only does it one special way that if you're lucky enough, you get a chance to see it or you, you know, get a chance to, to, to look at it. Um, the other thing too, and we're going to read this um, passage because I want to get this on the recording, but it's important to see that those who wrote the Bible understood clearly that it was God who was moving them and communicating to them. Okay? And this is very important to understand. This fact alone makes their words worth preserving. Okay? Hey, God's telling me something. He spoke mouth to mouth with me. I saw him in a dream. Jesus spoke to me. Resurrected Christ came to me. We gotta get this written down. Okay? So the words were worth preserving. So, like I said before, for instance, over 2,600 times the writers of the Old Testament felt compelled to remind us that the messages they were reporting were not their words, but God's words. Their words have no authority unless this so that's super important to help people understand. They're not just writing some random book. They are being moved by God, who has revealed himself to them, to write what they're seeing, what they've heard, or what they have experienced. Okay. Um, so, the final thing that I would put, and maybe you probably have a section there before we get down to a problem to consider, you might want to write this down. It says, the claim of the Bible is that God used, so the claim of the Bible is that God used dreams, angels, visions, and Jesus, etc. So, dreams, angels, visions, and Jesus, etc. To reveal himself to us. And, the whole purpose of that is God seeks to communicate with us. Okay, that's really what you're driving the student. God wants us to know him. My student said, I've not seen God in a dream or a vision or any angels. Oh. 
What if the student said that? Yeah. So that's where I would say in the revelation that God was giving through the scriptures, this is how he was communicating to particular individuals so that they would then record it in the scriptures. Then what I would go and do is I would encourage them and say, yeah, I get it. It's kind of a bummer. But guess what? And this is where I would turn them to. We have actually the best revelation of all, which is the whole summative aspect, where these individuals only had part and partial of the revelation. And after that, I mean, that's the best that you can do, if that makes sense. But I would kind of try to give them the, the key and say, yeah, you know, it'd be pretty great if we had a dream by God or, or whatever. But we have way better than that, and we have essentially the full revelation, who's Jesus, but then ultimately the scriptures that are written. But a great question. Um, and that's actually, it could be a question that comes up. So thank you for asking that. Um, I want to make sure that that got on uh, recording. We had a question of what if you have a student that says, well, gosh, you know, um, I haven't seen a dream, or why isn't God revealing himself in a dream to me, or why aren't we getting to see that, et cetera, et cetera. And so um, the answer to that question is essentially turning to them and saying, I recognize that. But we have the best answer, which is actually the full revelation of God through Jesus in the Bible. And that's how we get to know him fully and fully. So Dave, thanks for that, that question. So we now have a problem now that we've got to consider, and that's the next part. Um, and this is what it says. But does the fact that God used human instruments through which to make, his, uh, make known his revelations raise the possibility of error in making them known to others? How could these men perfectly transmit these revelations to others without making a mistake? And so that's this idea of, great, so God revealed uh, himself, but what if they wrote it down and it got changed? What if they wrote it down and it got lost? What if they wrote it down and along the way somebody came along and decided to change it? And so that's where we're going to move to the next aspect. So the illustration you guys heard me give, and we're going to have a little bit of fun with it tonight, is the uh, story chain, okay? So in this, right, we have a group of people who are whispering a story to one another, and in the retelling from person to person, the story changes dramatically. We've all played the chain game, as you remember that? So some say that God may have revealed himself, but that the hearer could have not accurately retold it to others, or in the same way, some change the Bible's recollection of God's revelation, and they are flawed. So it's a good question. A lot of people ask that. To be honest with you, for me, when I was going through this, this was probably one of my biggest hangups. How do we know for sure that what God said, or God did, or didn't do is actually accurately recorded to and we're not missing something or it's completely changed and that's kind of where we're headed so the next part is inspiration right? have a question? No. Okay. Okay. so would somebody be willing to read the definition of inspiration? inspiration, supernatural influence that fits those who come under it to receive divine truths and communicate them to others okay. thank you okay so First thing I want to see is Revelation, recognizing that God is supernaturally revealing himself to individuals through a variety of means to make himself known, right? Inspiration is the idea that those that have had this happen to them and have had God reveal himself to them are now moved along through supernatural means, the power of the Holy Spirit, to write down what it is that they've experienced. Okay? So the writers of the scriptures were moved along through inspiration, and that is essentially they were carried along by the Holy Spirit as they wrote. Now, quick thing that I want to let you know is people have speculated, like, does that mean that all of a sudden, you know, we'll say that, like, you know, uh, we'll, take, we'll take Matthew writing the gospel, right? He's doing his thing, he's walking along, and then all of a sudden it's like, whoop! And he's like, oh, he's not, you know, comatose state. It's that they're writing as we would write normally, but what we have to recognize is as they're writing, the Holy Spirit is leading them in what they've experienced. Hence, that's why it's important to give. Okay? Um, 
I'll go on a little bit of a caveat and we'll talk about that more next week. Um, I will throw in a few things about the canonization of scripture, the canon putting together the books of the Bible. So we know that we have 66 books in the Bible that are considered authoritative documents, and I will speak to why that's the case. That's not in this study, but I think it's important for you guys to see. Recognizing why did some books get in the Bible, and why did other books not? And probably the biggest thing for that is, as they were putting together the Bible, they were looking for what we would call first-person resources, okay? So particularly in the New Testament, they were looking to the apostles who knew Jesus, experienced Jesus, or had a direct revelation from Jesus. Some of the documents that are out there that were not included in the scripture would be secondary sources. I knew a guy who told me about Jesus. I heard about a guy that said Jesus, or I had an opportunity from someone else to teach you a little bit about Jesus. As they looked at those scriptures, I shouldn't say scriptures, those writings, they began to say these aren't authoritative, they weren't through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and they denied them. Um, The other thing that I'll go quickly on is a lot of people wonder how quickly or non-quickly the Bible was canonized, meaning that it was solidified and it was the scriptures that we have. And I don't have specific dates, I can get those to you, but I will tell you that it is surprisingly faster than what we think, okay? When we look at like the Council of Nicaea and the Nicene Creed and all of those things that were in like 345 and 430 AD, what was going on there was not the canonization of scripture. What was going on there is they were speaking more to the nature of who Jesus was and a deeper understanding of him being fully God and fully man and combating some heretical doctrine talking about essentially Jesus in some parts of Scripture being man, and in other parts of Scripture being God. Okay, so I'll give that to you more when we get into the authority of Scripture. But recognize that the authors who were writing the Bible were under the inspiration of supernatural communication and the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so uh, the first thing it says, let's begin our search in answering this question by turning and reading to Second Timothy three sixteen. So. Everybody do me a favor and turn to 2 Timothy 3.16. And then we're going to record some of the content of this passage in the space below. If somebody has it, if you read that out nice and loud, that'd be awesome. All scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Thank you. All scripture is God breathed for teaching, correcting, and training in righteousness. It's a very powerful passage, very important passage in Scripture, um, something that is um, very important for us to see and to recognize. And so the first part that I would encourage you to write in that first line is just simply this. Um, all Scripture is inspired by God. And then to reiterate it, you can put kind of a question mark by whom? God. Okay? Not anybody else. Not partial. Not a portion. All scripture is inspired by God. By whom? God. And then also, it is profitable. And the reason you want to put it is profitable is to help the student understand that God didn't just reveal himself so that he could make himself heard. Right? It's not like he has an ego and he just likes to talk and make himself feel like he's uh, being heard by his creation. But rather, he's doing it so that it would be profitable for us. And then the next line is what is said to be inspired of God. And what that answer is Scripture, or what is written in the Bible. So that's what you would want to put in the next line. Scripture, or what is written in the Bible. How much of it is said to be inspired? Anybody have the answer? Yeah. All of it. 
You're done. You passed. We can go with that. All of it. No exceptions. Okay? And then you'll notice at the end, upon this claim rests the whole integrity of your life. And one of the things that you want to just take a moment and you don't want to, you know, you don't want to beat somebody down, right? I mean, they might be struggling with this, but you want to just encourage them and say, you know, I get that. I get that you might have some questions. I get that you might wonder why. But what you want to try to move them to as they're working through this is to help them see, look, the reason that we see this and the reason that this is in the scriptures is to help you to know that everything that you see in this Bible has been inspired by God. Okay? It's not like, hey, there's section A that's 100% God, and then as you kind of go down to the bottom, there's section, you know, E.4 that's only about 10% God. Okay? Now, why is this important? Can anybody tell me? Interestingly enough, in certain religions, um, aspects of how the, the um, I'll use the less scriptures are organized are on authoritative nature. And so for a Muslim, the Quran is organized by importance. So as you read the Quran, essentially as it transcends, the more, um, I would say, forward verses are seen as more authoritative, and the latter verses are seen as less so, the reason that you want people to see this is that they would understand and know that there is no uh, change in authority in terms of what they read. It's not like, hey, when you read you know, Genesis, you need to treat this with 100% uh, devotion. But yeah, when you get down to Revelation, you know, because it's last, you only need to worry about it about 10%. Okay? Because this is the full revelation of God. It sounds, I mean, you're kind of like, why are you telling me this? But what you want to recognize is, is that there are individuals out there from either different religious backgrounds or different religious understandings where they will come forward and say, well, this is a good portion, but this one is better. Okay? Um, the other thing that I would say that this is important to is you also will utilize this in a loving way to help people see that because this is authoritative, when you are confronting or you're talking to somebody who is either from the Jehovah's Witness background or the Mormon background, who will say, yeah, the scriptures are good, but, okay, Joseph Smith's revelation that he has, and when we read the Book of Mormon, it's better, it's more inspired, you can go back to them and you can say, no, what we need and what we have is solely revealed in the scriptures. This is all we need, nothing more, nothing less, and everything that we have in the Bible is inspired by God. Okay? So a little bit of a caveat here, but that's why you're driving that student to really see why this is so important. Okay? Um, all right, next thing. Um, I'm just going to give you a quick illustration when we talk about inspiration and profitable investment tips. This is something you can use with them. Um, some people offer profitable investment tips. Okay? How many of you would like a profitable investment tip? If somebody told you right now, hey, I got a little investment tip for you. Everybody's turning to Ellen, right? <laughs> Ellen, what do you got for us? What's the market doing? Okay. Now, we can't get her in trouble for insider trading, right? But some people speak in monetary language. And so one of the things that you can say is, okay, I get it. You might want a profitable investment tip. Well, let me tell you, the Bible reveals profitable life tips. Okay? The Bible reveals profitable life tips. And the purpose before, behind this is so that, the, it says so that the man of God, but we'll say so that the man or woman of God, will be adequate for everything that they face. Okay, it gives you a, a good tool in how to live. And I'll go super quick on this, but um, some of the things that I find sometimes is people will say, why, do I, why would I want to find, follow the Bible, right? It seems so restrictive. It seems so full of rules. Did anybody ever hear that? Why, right? Why do I want to be a Christian? Why would I want to find the Bible? I like my life, and it seems like if I were to become a follower of Jesus, all I'm doing is being shackled, okay? Really, what you're wanting to encourage them is to say, no, actually, what's going on is, is you're being freed, okay? You're being freed to a profitable life 
read, yes. Okay? There, you know, for lack of a better word, there are rules and regulations, but when we understand, and you can kind of turn them into this, when we understand later who God is and what Jesus has done for us, then you can kind of, we'll get there. You, know, you kind of throw the carrot out there. We'll get there, we'll get there. Um, you begin to realize truly how good God is and really how living your life for him is a good thing and it is beneficial. And it is okay? A quick thing that I might encourage you here, make a little mental note, you might at this point, and this is completely up to you, okay? This is just your decision if you're going to do You might want to use a personal story of the profitability of God in your life. Okay? You might want to show them and say, you know, before I was a believer, or maybe you've been a believer you know, for the majority of your life, you can say, hey, you know, this is really what I see, and this is really what God has done, and how he has blessed me, um, and this is this is the good that I've seen in God, okay? And I don't need your story, but I think each of you probably have one, um, and that gives it a little bit more color, a little bit more flavor, a little bit more uh, reality, okay? All right, um, let's slide over to um, the next part. So, on the next page, it's extremely important for you to note that not only did God reveal himself, and if you guys have your um, pen with you, I would um, underline the reveal himself, okay, to these men in times past, but he has also inspired some, and I would underline that, to write down these divine disclosures. Would somebody be willing to read Habakkuk or Habakkuk, how would you like to pronounce it? 2, verse 2. Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets, that he may run who reads it. Okay, perfect. So really the answer there is, essentially, write this down. <laughs> you can just say, God wanted people to write it down so that it could be made known. So, write it down to be made known. So therefore, inspiration is the means God has used to record revelations through human personality without error. And I might star that, like that's, that's a big one, okay? Or, if you want to, write this. I'll go slow. God revealed truth to men. That's Revelation. So in Revelation, sorry, excuse me. In Revelation, God revealed truth to men. In Revelation, God revealed truth to men. And then in inspiration, God moved some to write these truths down for others. So do you see the difference? Okay, revealing and inspiration. God reveals multiple ways, multiple times, wants to be known, wants to be heard, wants people to know who he is. And then inspiration, some of these individuals were moved to write down these experiences so that others could know about them. And then also, if you want to, we're going to see that in Second Peter in a minute, but remember that what they wrote down was without error. They didn't mess it up. Okay? Uh, kind of a joke, but it's not, you know, you can simply go to them and you can say, you know, God didn't come to them and say, hey, I love the color blue. And then that person said, great, that's wonderful. And they decided to write down that God likes chocolate cake. I mean, I know it's silly, but... When they were revealed and they saw what God said, God loves the color blue, we know that the individual went and wrote, God loves the color blue. And then also, as we're going to see down the road, when that was written however long ago, we have that God loves the color blue, and that hasn't been mixed. It's not like, now God loves chocolate cake. That's kind of what we're going So, um, Peter's initial statement on this issue is very helpful at this point. Carefully notice how Peter expresses this concept of inspiration in 2 Peter 1, 20-21. And explain in your own words how this important passage supports the comments made above on inspiration. So would someone be willing to 
read 2 Peter 1, verses 20 through 21. So another super important passage, and um, basically, uh, I'll kind of give this to you and you can write it down. The summative aspect of this is, uh, but know this first of all. So that's what you want to write on those lines. But know this first of all. Dot, dot, dot. And then... No prophecy of scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. No prophecy of scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. Then when you have that, you can put kind of right after that in parentheses of it's not their opinion. It's not, this is what I think. It's, no, this is what God said and revealed. Okay? And then, after that, to solidify it, no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will. No prophecy was ever made by an act of human will. And then when you have that in parentheses to kind of solidify it, another way to say it is no man originated these thoughts for or from himself. No man originated these thoughts for or from himself. say the men were moved by the Holy Spirit. And then the final thing is, is they spoke from God and again, you're just driving this down. It wasn't that guys just decided, like, oh, we need to write something down. And I need to look for inspiration. Um, kind of analogy that you could give, um, and one of the things that we'll see that's so important is, um, you know, when we see prophecy, and this is what I talked about uh, this past Sunday, what makes prophecy so unique in the scriptures is it's stated, okay, and then it occurs. But not only is it stated and occurs, it's stated in the scriptures and it either occurs in the scripture. So we saw the one, obviously, hey, Jesus is going to be born in Bethlehem. Jesus is born in Bethlehem. That's internally scripture. But then externally, we also know that, hey, I'm going to lay waste to these cities. And then we see through history, God actually does lay waste to these cities. And hey, then I'm going to bring back Israel as a nation. And we've seen historically that God made Israel a nation in 19. Why is that important? That'll go a little bit more into the authentication piece, which we'll talk about next time. But why it's so unique is a lot of other religious texts cannot be as replicated as the scriptures because they do not have the amount of prophecy as well as validated prophecy that the scriptures have. That's what makes the Bible so realizing that all of what's being said is not guys just randomly coming up and writing something, okay? So, a good way to look at this, all of us uh, probably are aware of Harry Potter, right? Okay? Some of us might have seen the movie, some of us might have read the books. Harry Potter is a great story, isn't it, right? 
right? It's a wonderful thing, people like the magic, et cetera, et cetera. The problem with Harry Potter is this. Can anybody tell me, is there a Hogwarts, truly, right? There's no real Hogwarts, okay? Now Disney's you know, done their best to replicate it, et cetera, et cetera. Are there dragons, right? No, okay? So great, we read these stories, okay? And we're just like, well, that's wonderful, but they're not real. When we read these stories with the Bible, we actually see, oh my gosh, there really is a Bethlehem. Oh my gosh, there really is a nation of Israel. Oh my gosh, this really occurred. The Romans really did go through and destroy Jerusalem in AD 70. Not only do we see that, we see that in what we call extra biblical sources, which are sources outside of the Bible that are historically saying this occurred, okay? So the other thing that I want to encourage you in is, and you might just, little side note, okay? Um, Josephus, just, you might want to write down Josephus. He was a general of the Jewish army during the time of essentially, uh, it's, it's hard to put it perfect, but Jesus, slowly post-Jesus, okay? Um, and he, in his writings, and I can give you the specifics if you're interested, I need to go back and look at them, but he mentions by name, okay? Now, why is this important? Jesus, or sorry, Josephus is a general. He has no stake in the game, nothing. He is writing essentially a historical document about what's going on in his age. This is happening in this war, this is what we're doing, et cetera, et cetera, this is what's going on here, blah, 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 blah. As he's doing this, he mentions by name, Jesus, Pilate, and John the Baptist. Okay? Why is that important? Can anybody kind of give me a thought as to why you would think that would be important? Historical. They, exactly, they were real historical figures. If they were made up, right? If this was Hogwarts, if we were talking about Harry Potter, right? Why would somebody in a completely unrelated event write specifically? Okay, it's, it's maybe they maybe they guessed right. Maybe they got one right. Maybe they said John the Baptist, and he just made it up, and he got one right, right? But why would they mention Pilate? Jesus and John the Baptist. Okay? So it demonstrates that these were actual living people and these events were real. So that's just a side note if they ever want to look at that. If you guys want more and just see this, I can get that to you. Okay? Um, trying to go relatively quick because I'm trying to keep this to about an hour. But um, the next thing that I want to show you is this. Behind each of the more than 40 authors, okay, you might want to underline that, more than 40 authors of scripture, stands a divine author who, through supernatural means, inspiration, has recorded both knowledge about himself and his way and will for man. That's, that's what we're getting at. Now, little side note, the other unique aspect of the scriptures, <coughs> And why it's so important to show that there's more than 40 authors is this. Okay? Biblically speaking, the compilation of the Bible from when it starts in Genesis to when we end in Revelation is probably a process of 4,000 years, give or take a little bit, depending upon how you want to date the Bible, over multiple cultures, okay? multiple authors, multiple languages, and multiple time periods. And why is that so important? Okay. Because all of that is compiled into one holistic, solidified, central story. Why is that important? What's unique about the Bible, other than some other religious texts, are it was one revelation to one person at one specific. So, again, I'm not harping, but I'm just being realistic. All of the Mormon foundation is based upon a revelation of Joseph Smith in 1848. One person saw one revelation of, and I'm going to use this, God, and they know the truth, right? 
other thing that I will say is one person in that instance saw one revelation of God in 1848, I believe, somewhere in the 1800s, if I don't know, 1880s, maybe 1812. Don't quote me on the date, I'll get that right at some point. But in and around that time, since that time, that revelation has been changed okay, a variety of different times. The solidarity of the Bible is you have authors over different time periods okay, with different influence okay, culturally being led by God through revelation to be inspired to write the truth about who God is. Okay? Now, why am I throwing this together? Think about this. If this was a conspiracy, if I told you guys, okay, everybody, here's the deal, right? Don't tell anybody, but I want you to write a story about God, right? Tell me about who he is, and we're all going to come together, and we're all going to make it happen. Let's just say, how many of you? There's one, two, three, four, five, six. Fifteen of us? Thank you. Fifteen of us. Do you think we'd have a similar cohesive story if it was just tell me a story about God? Probably not. Okay? Now, multiply that times almost three, which is about 40 to 45 people, but also remove you guys from the same time period and put you in different time periods in different countries under different rulers different languages, and yet it's all cohesive, and it tells a cohesive story. That's why the Bible's so unique. Okay, so that's another important aspect for us to see. Okay? Um, so, uh, to sum up our study so far, let's define each of these important terms. Revelation is the revealing of divine information without error. Inspiration is the recording of divine information without error. And then for those of you that are maybe picture people, right? Um, if you want to put do you guys know the kind of the tetragrammaton picture? It's three circles, okay? The three circles together, kind of almost like the Olympic rings, but not too many, because then I'll be a heretic, okay? Three circles. You can put that above, and that's God, or you could just even, if you want to, just write God, okay? Put him kind of, and then an arrow coming down, and then do your best stick figure after it at the bottom of that arrow. Okay. So you've got God at the top, arrow coming down, and a stick figure. Everybody got that? I want to see some of your stick figures. I'm kidding. Some of you guys are looking at me like you're upset. <laughs> yeah? That's a pretty good one. You can see it. Did you put, like, did people put curly cues on it? Okay, so an arrow coming down. Okay, you have God on top, arrow coming down to the person. The arrow coming down, right revelation. Okay, so that's, this is just, some people are visual learners, and this will just help. Okay? And then an arrow going across, and in your diagram, if you want it to head essentially to the right, that would be great. And then, draw a Bible. Draw a Bible. Okay, so, God's up top. Arrow coming down, and you have your stick figure. Okay? I know I'm going to come through a red test. I want to see each of your drawings. Now, I'm going to give you a joke in a minute, but I'll, I'll tell you. Think about this one. Okay, now, right? An arrow to the right of your, your text and a Bible. And then write inspiration on that arrow. Okay? Now, can I say something? Write that down, right? And I'm not, I'm not making fun of you guys because I would get it wrong too. But how many of you had a hard time doing that? Right? Did I get it right? Right? Right there, how, I mean, I'm not the best, but how similar are those instructions? And yet 
Gabby had a hard time with me, which would tell us how awesome the Bible is in recognizing that what was told was what was written, was what has been preserved, and is what we have, which is where we're going to be reading. So, um, I'll come through just to be nice. Okay, this is what you're kind of supposed to have. Okay, makes sense. The map would be perfect, but that's what we're after. Everybody got that? Well, this is this isn't mine. This is the leaders. Everybody got that? Okay. Yeah, what you saw, I had two on top. Yeah, two on top. Okay. So um, let's go ahead, and this is where we're going to stop. Next week we're going to go into authentication. Um, and uh, there's a couple of things that I'm going to try to do for you. I've got, just so that you're aware, some updated information okay, on um, sort of the best current figures that I can give in terms of uh, textual criticism, textual attestation, those kind of things, what I talked about this past Sunday. Um, I will also try to find a decent document that talks about the canonization of scripture. Um, it's a fancy word, but basically that's the putting together of the Bible. Okay? So what we realize is, is we've got Jesus living and dying, rising from the grave. We've got obviously the New Testament writers saying, hey, we've got to get this down. We have Jesus revealing himself to Paul, Paul or sorry, to Saul, Saul praying to Paul, writing his epistles. We have Jesus and God's revelation to John and the island of Patmos giving us revelation. Generally speaking, that is about 89. Okay? So if you can kind of think about this, Jesus is born in AD, we'll say zero, dies in and around AD 30 to 33. Okay? That's what scholars say. Then what you have to recognize from AD 33 to about AD 40 to 45. Everybody's kind of going, wow, this is amazing. In and around AD 45, 40 to 45, is when the majority of the New Testament is being written. Okay? It's only about 10 years after Jesus' death and resurrection from the grave. Now, the thing that I want to encourage you in is people will say, 10 years, that's a long time. right? How do you remember that? What you want to do to them is say, were you alive? Okay? How many of you were alive when Kennedy was assassinated? How long ago was that? Okay, so how many years is that? Okay. Can you tell me pretty much with accuracy what was going on the day that Kennedy was assassinated from your perspective? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was here. I was there. Okay. So what you would this is this is kind of what I want to encourage you in. Those experiences are so vivid, you can probably tell them in detail. What would you guys, let's take 20, 9-11, uh, 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 sorry, 9-11, okay? Um, that's now, what, uh, 13? 22, 22, 22, 22, 22, 22, 22, 22, 22, 22, yeah, 20, that's right, yeah, 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 sorry, 22 years, that's right, okay? I can tell you what I was doing, I remember, I was driving to church, in a car, and I remember hearing on the radio that somebody hit the Twin Towers. And honestly, I mean, I feel bad, but honestly, I'm sitting there like, you know, what kind of a moron is flying a Cessna that, you know, crashed into the Twin Towers, right? And so I'm sitting there like, and then I remember walking in and I saw the image of the first tower, and my first thought was, that's one heck of a Cessna, right? And then obviously I remember standing there and I saw the, you know, the second plane come in and we, we all, I mean, we all can talk about that. So why am I bringing this up? Okay, that's 22 years ago. And we can speak to that really with clarity. Imagine if you were there and you saw Jesus die and rise from the grave. Okay, you're going to remember that. You're going to see. So from 80, 40 to 45, these people are speaking to what's going on. Jesus obviously gets a hold of Saul, okay? Saul turns to Paul. That's a whole other area that you can talk about with people. Um, Saul had every reason in the world, right, to stay Jewish. He was like the upper echelon of the Jewish faith. He was high order, highly educated, highly prestigious, very well sought out. 
And then what we see in scripture is what? Jesus gets a hold of him. Changes him, obviously, from Saul to Paul. And the biggest thing is, is the greatest antagonist toward the Christian people becomes the greatest advocate. Okay, and then the final thing that I want to throw out to you is, is you guys remember Chuck Colson, this is a whole other thing. How many of you are kind of familiar with you know, his story? Okay, Chuck Colson, obviously Watergate, um, he was part of the Nixon era, and what brought him to Christ was simply this. Um, when Watergate occurred, um, he basically looked at the fact that there are the most powerful people in America, right, who are trying to, for lack of a better word, hold together a conspiracy. And in a matter of weeks, right, the most powerful people that had the most strong influence crumbled, and obviously we came up with a scandal of Watergate. What brought him to faith was that from that experience and being in prison, he began to examine the apostles of Jesus, who essentially all said, Jesus rose from the grave. He is God. And number one, they were all unified in their statement. Their statement never changed. They had no stake in the game. They weren't powerful people. And they all went to their death other than John saying, Jesus rose from the grave. And so what happened was he said, I saw Watergate, and these guys had every reason in the world to hold their conspiracy together, and they couldn't. These guys over here had no stake in the game. It was a completely unified statement, and they all went to their death saying, Jesus rose from the grave. This has to be true. Okay, that's what, what started Chuck Wilson's ministry. Okay, so that's kind of a cool little story that you can give to people um, as well. Okay, you guys are awesome. Um, you've stayed longer. A couple quick things for you. Thank you for coming. Um, you know, uh, tonight we will do next Wednesday at 6.30. Um, and the other thing is, again, about an hour, maybe an hour and 15 minutes, but also... Um, don't be afraid to ask me questions, or don't be afraid to ask questions in class. I might not have an answer. I might be like, gosh, I don't know. I need to go look at my notes, or I need to go find it, or whatever. But anything that I can give you to help sort of solidify this study or some back sort of knowledge is what I'm after, so that you guys can feel pretty good and confident uh, when you go to somebody and tell them uh, about who Jesus is. Um, thank you. Yeah, go ahead. So if you miss a session, you can see it on. So my, my hope is, if this goes right, if you miss a session, what we're going to try to do is get this, put it up, and then get it on to our Right Now Media. Um, how many of you are on our Right Now Media? Does everybody have Right Now Media? Okay, if you're not, all you've got to do is send us an email saying, I want to be on Right Now Media, and we will send you an invitation <coughs> be able to do that. You'll go in, you'll click on it, You'll see it, you'll go to our page, we'll even maybe even put it up on, uh, uh, on Sunday so you can see, and you literally click on it, and hopefully, prayerfully, it will be there. And then you can go through, and you can do the assignment. If for some reason you don't like that, the other thing that I can do, although, I don't know whether I should say this because then you guys won't come, but I can photocopy, I can photocopy the leader's notes, and I can give them to you, and if you want, we can try to kind of go through them, or you can fill them out. If you have questions, you can come back. Um, the quick thing, too, real fast for you guys is, some of this, I know, is kind of rudimentary, kind of like, yep, you know, Christianity 101, but what I'm wanting to do is give you this tool, but also give you and these people a firm foundation as to who Christ is. Okay, that's really what this is Last thing I want to throw out to you, will you do me a favor? Actually, don't do me a favor. Go to God. I'm not asking. This isn't for me. But go to God and ask. Just start praying. Okay? Just, God, is there somebody in my life that, that I could have spiritual conversations with? It could be a brother, a sister. It could be a neighbor. Um, it could be a co-worker. Um, you know, whatever it might be. And you don't have to have a name. I'm not saying you gotta have that right now. But just, is there somebody out there that you want 
me to have a relationship with and just ask. Now, I'm going to challenge you with this. I don't think God's not going to answer. Okay? So, lovingly, when God says, yes, it's the annoying Kansas City Chiefs fan that lives next door to you that you don't like, right? Oh, no. Right? <laughs> don't say no. By the way, congratulations, guys. I'm kind of excited. Although, I have to say, I am, I'm rooting for... Um, Bengals? No. No. I'm, I'm actually, I'm. I, if Kansas City wins, I'll be happy. I'm rooting for San Francisco because of Brock Purdy. I would love to see him. I would love to see him. But if the Chiefs take it, that's fine. Just go easy on me, Philip Rogers. But no. Um, be praying about it, um, and be asking God who it is, and then when God shows you, and you're like, yeah, no. Um, <laughs> Say yes. Yeah. Yes is maybe the right way to put that lovingly. Okay. Um, and uh, and we'll see where it goes. Okay. Anybody have questions tonight? Thank you guys so much for coming. It means a lot to me. Um, really appreciate it. Um, let other people know. Um, also, um, um, you know, just be praying uh, about God. You know, using opportunities to, to, to use this and to bring out His word. We will start just so that you know next time right at authentication. We'll go through the end, um, and we'll talk through that. But also, um, if anybody has any questions on uh, Revelation or Inspiration, or you think of something, you know, email me, um, talk to me, or whatever, and I'll do what I can to maybe get you guys some more information. Right, let me pray. We'll have Father, um, yeah, thanks so much for everybody here. Thank you for their heart for you. Um, thank you for Dr. Robert Lewis and his work on this. Um, thank you for his heart and his desire. Thank you for um, how he's put it out. And I pray that it would just be a great tool, um, always knowing that we're not the ones that are doing the saving, we're planting and watering, you're the one who saves. But thank you for giving us um, the opportunity to have a good tool, to be able to take somebody through the foundations of the Christian faith, um, just with joy, but also with confidence, and ultimately knowing um, that really you're the one who's doing the work. And so in it, Lord, I pray even now that we would just be Laying essentially uh, what I would say in, in some ways kind of the fleece out, just saying, God, is there somebody out there that you've put in my path? And Lord, if we can't come up with somebody, maybe the next prayer is, would you put someone in my path, Lord, that I would have an opportunity to sit down and have a spiritual conversation with them, and then if possible, take them through. Bless our evening, bless the remainder of our week. Uh, keep us safe and secure in you, which we know that you do. To bring glory and honor to your name. And we pray these things in your name, dear Jesus, and ask it all by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Thank you, everybody.